you so much. Good evening, everyone. It's so, so good to be here with you tonight. Forgive this weird accent that I've got going on here. I, I, I was born in Belfast and then uh, have, have lived all over the place, so you end up with a weird accent like this uh, when something like that happens. Anyway, wonderful to have you uh, uh, tonight, and uh, how inspiring were those uh, stories? Uh, it kind of makes it all real and... You know, just it's authentic. It's it's the journey of people's faith. I love it. I love it. And um, if you're here for the first time tonight, let me just explain what's going to happen. I know it's a really hot night, so the last thing that you will want to do is listen to a long uh, sermon, right? Okay, I can <laughs> give the people what they want. I can do it. Uh, so, look, I'm going to talk to you for a little while. I'll, I'll kind of try and judge it. If I see that you're looking really hot and uncomfortable, I will bring it to an abrupt end. Uh, what we do want to do is to take some time at the end to pray for people tonight. I'm going to, we're going to do two things. First, for those who have never met Jesus personally, I'm going to give you a chance to do that tonight, uh, to follow him and to get to know him a little bit better. Secondly, um, and this fits into the theme of my talk I want to make some room to pray for people who are believing for miracles. Uh, so if you're believing for a miracle in your life, you've come to the right place tonight. We're going to pray for you, and we're going to believe that God's going to do some really good things. Now, for me, I, I, I've got this passion. I love the Bible, and I would rather at least read something from the Bible and, um, and then preach a terrible message than just preach a terrible message. And you hear nothing from the Bible whatsoever. So what I'd like to do is read Acts chapter, from Acts chapter 3. You should see the verses on the screen. Let's read a story of a miracle. This is fascinating. This is, this is bizarre and ridiculous. Don't, don't sanitize it too much when you read it. Sometimes I think the, the challenge is that we read the Bible with, with sane eyes, and we shouldn't. It's mad. It's crazy, right? Let's go uh, and read these verses. Um, NIV translation. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those who were going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Notice he was asking them for money, not healing. That's significant. And Peter looked at him and said, uh, 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 look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold, I do not have. Anybody who's in the ministry will identify with that statement right away. <laughs> silver and gold, I do not have. But what I have... I give you, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. How incredible is that? How utterly incredible is that? It wasn't a long prayer. It was a sentence which perhaps gives us a little secret that it's not the length, it's not the multiplicity of our words that impresses God as much as is the content of our and the substance of our faith. Are you with me? Are you with me? Yes. Yeah. So, um, silver and gold, I don't have, in the name of Jesus, walk. Verse 7, taking the man by the right hand, he helped him up. Again, that's significant. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with him into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Well, wouldn't you? 
And when the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same one. That's that guy who was sitting at the door when we walked in today. And he's in the temple court, uh, courts praising God. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to them. This is so powerful. There's so many truths from the scripture here that we can lift out. I want to lift out four thoughts tonight. Uh, and I, I want to head, headline this message, The Atmosphere for Miracles. And I want to take every thought from this passage. First, I want you to notice the power of prayer. The power of prayer. Uh, verse uh, 1, one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. It's my conviction that every miracle tends to be birthed in the place of prayer. It may not necessarily be your prayers. It may be the prayers of a, somebody who's gone before or perhaps even a generation that has gone before. But miracles are birthed in the place of prayer. I want to bring simple encouragement to us tonight without condemnation, without guilt trips, because that does not help sermons that say, you better pray more or else. Who's ever heard a sermon like that? Or somebody say, hey, it's your prayer life. That's your problem. Yeah, That's not helping me when I'm going through stuff. I want, to, I want to take more of the inspirational approach tonight. I want to encourage you, never underestimate the power of prayer. Never, ever underestimate the power of prayer. Here's a quote, C.S. Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, one of my favorite uh, writers. He says, to pray is to enter the treasure house of God and gather riches out of an inexhaustible storehouse. Wow. Well, if that's true, why wouldn't you make something of this thing called prayer? Prayer is putting God first. Prayer is submitting to his lordship. And here's the, here's the key. Prayer is a dialogue more than a monologue. It involves both speaking to God, but also listening to God as well. You get a clear sense of that, that uh, the apostles, the, the disciples, had had a clear ex encounter with the, in, in the presence of Jesus. Prayer doesn't make God love us any more than what he already does. I talked along those lines for those of you who were here this morning. You can't make God love you any more than what he already does. This is where we must be careful when we talk about prayer. There are those who... Uh, who I think are in, are, are in the danger, I'm talking in the Christian world, of sort of putting it all down to prayer. It's prayers, my prayers. We've got to pray, pray, pray. And the, the danger in that is that it's, it comes, it's, it's sort of struggling, striving, and you cannot make God love you any more than what he already does. Prayer has got to flow from relationship. If this thing is relational, then it's got to flow out of relationship. That's how effective prayer works. I think it's important to make these comments because we do want to talk about the atmosphere for miracles. It was Archbishop Temple who said that when we pray, coincidences happen. Have you ever noticed that in your life? When you pray, coincidences happen. Things just happen that you quite, can't, can't quite work out. Prayer helps us to abide in the presence of God, keeps us focused on what really matters. I, I, I want to urge you tonight, submit everything to God in prayer. Even the seemingly ridiculous things, submit them to God in prayer. I'll tell you a silly little story to make the point. 
Uh, this was a long time ago. My, my wife and I, my wife's here tonight, by the way. This is a very rare honor. She rarely travels with me, so she's here tonight. And um, we, um, we were traveling out preaching. This is many years ago. It was a cold winter's night. We got home midnight. We had an old boiler system in our home that uh, was kind of 1800s or something like that. I don't know. And, um, and freezing cold night, we got home, forgot to turn the timing system on on the, on the boiler, so we, we were in a freezing cold house. So I went over to the, the boiler and switched it on to try to get some heat going on in the house. And the, just at the moment when we needed the boiler to work, the boiler packed up, didn't work for us. So of course, being the man of the house, it was my responsibility to fix this and you know, try to do things uh, about it. So I, uh, I, I turned it on and turned it off and on and off, <laughs> on and off. And then when you, every guy knows what I'm talking about. You, tr you know, if you can't think of anything else to do, blow on something and see if that works. You know, <laughs> you know turn it on again, that doesn't work. You know, so I'm thinking. And I tried to work on this boiler for 20 minutes. And then my wife came in to see me and she said, because um, she was freezing cold and we were all uncomfortable, and she said, um, shall, I, shall, we, shall we pray about this? Now, don't you just detest it <laughs> when spiritual people speak up when you're doing practical things? Don't you just detest that? I said, no, I don't need you to pray. I'm doing. I'm the man of the house. So she said, well, when you need me, let me know. The arrogance of it. Unbelievable. <laughs> Anyway, I worked on this thing for 45, perhaps even 50 minutes, and eventually my wife came in with a little touch of frustration. She doesn't get mad, but in that moment she said, right, I'm praying for it. And I said, well, try that then, see if it works. And without any hint of exaggeration, she put her hand on the boiler and said something along the lines of, boiler, in the name of Jesus, work. Press the on switch, and the boiler came on again. Can you... <laughs> Can you believe that? She's got a ministry now traveling around the nation, healing um, <laughs> electrical appliances, uh, fridges, freezers, boilers, and so forth. It's a silly little story. It's a, and you say, well, you know, that could be a coincidence. Well, hey, maybe. But when we pray, coincidences happen. Things just happen. And that's why it's important for all of us to really... Make sure that our whole lives are in an atmosphere of prayer. Prayer does not necessarily have to be that formal thing that you do, getting on your knees, uh, getting into a certain atmosphere. Prayer, you can pray as you walk, you can pray as you're in everyday life. Everything needs to be submitted to God in prayer. As we pray, we are essentially submitting ourselves to his lordship. That's a good atmosphere for the miraculous to happen. Here's the second thing that I'd like to mention, uh, which is the importance of expectation. Now look at this. This is really, really interesting. From Acts 3, uh, verses 4 and 5. Peter looked at the man, that's, the, that's the, the lame man at the temple, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. Look at us. Now this really challenges um, a, a lot of what we say in church life. We say, it's not about us. I don't want you to see me. I want you to see Jesus. I, I always find it funny when people say, when the preacher comes along, we don't want to see the preacher tonight. We want to see Jesus. I think, oh, you're going to be very disappointed. <laughs> um, you know, I think, well, I'll just, I'll just send you the notes. Maybe that will <laughs> kind of help, you know. And, and I get the heart of that. And I, obviously, it's true. But we, we must not become so super spiritual with it that we miss the practicality of it. He said, look at us. 
It wasn't an ego thing, but I think that what he meant by saying that was look at Jesus in us. And that is highly significant, the importance of expectation. I'm expecting, the the Holy Spirit lives within me. Of course, they just had the experience of the day of Pentecost where they were full of the Holy Spirit. So I think that's, it's exuberance, it's enthusiasm. Look at us, I've got the Holy Spirit. Naive, yeah, yeah. Silly, yeah. But if you want to pursue the miraculous, then you've got to overcome feelings of silliness, which is what I've been doing all my life. Look at us. So the man gave them his attention. And look look at that little line. Expecting to get something from them. He was not necessarily expecting healing. Uh, He didn't really understand. I'm not sure whether this man would have understood the concept of healing. Certainly he wouldn't have grasped the, the theology of divine healing and all of that sort of stuff, but he just looked at them expecting to get something. And, and this for me makes a very important point, that when it comes to expectation, when you're on the journey of faith, it's always wise to travel light. Don't become too intense about it, because when you become too intense in your faith, here's what happens, it leads to pressure, and pressure's not good. And then when you have pressure, it leads to pain. Pain leads to guilt. Guilt leads to disappointment. Disappointment leads to disillusionment. I didn't have enough faith. If only I'd had enough faith. If only I'd prayed more, that miracle would have happened. If only I had done this, that miracle would have happened. If only I had... And and it's all down to us. And actually, that is really, really unhelpful and a, a massive hindrance to our relationship with God. So my encouragement to all of us tonight, this is coming from somebody who passionately believes in the miraculous. If you want to experience more of the miraculous in your life then travel light. In other words, be like the, the old fella at the gate. Just expect something good to come out of this. That's exactly what the, the old guy was doing. He wasn't expecting anything other than, here's a chance. I'm going to get something out of this. Some, some, something, good, something good is going to happen in the midst of all of this. And that, that God's, I think God's okay with that, actually. Well, he clearly was here in Acts chapter 3 because the man ends up getting healed. You don't have to understand how miracles work. And of course, in a room full of intelligent people like I'm talking to tonight, and we, we pioneered a church over in Loughborough, so we've got a big student base in our church, and I think it's pretty much every other week I'm having the big ethical conversations with clever students about God and suffering and why would he permit things to happen and, and you know, how does it work and to what extent does God intervene and uh, sovereignty and all of these issues. And my, my answer now is don't know, don't know, don't know, don't know, don't know. I'm a brilliant pastor. It's brilliant, actually. It's made my life, made my life a lot easier as well. Um, and I don't mean that in a frivolous way, actually. I, I think that really those questions, though they're totally legitimate and totally, totally legitimate, but not always helpful. And not always, not always the right question, certainly when it comes to the miraculous. Because the point is, you, you don't really have to understand how it all works. We just need to look at God's track record. Our whole faith is based on a, a miracle. That's the premise of our faith. We believe that Jesus died, but we believe that Jesus rose again from the dead. And that should be enough for us. So simplify your faith. And for those of you who are believing for a breakthrough tonight, I would simply encourage you not to come with frivolity. You don't want to come with with a frivolous faith, but you do want to travel light. Come and just have a sense of expectation 
that God's good and he's got to do something good tonight. And believe his word. Believe that he will do something really great. I remember praying for a lady. This was, again, many years ago. And uh, she, um, she was a lady in her 50s. She'd become blind when she was in her 20s. A wonderful woman of faith. She felt that she had this word from God that uh, the day would come when she will get her sight back. Personal conviction. So um, I went to preach at her church. I used to go there once a year. Same three sermons every time I went as well. It was great. Um, and uh, I prayed for that lady to be healed with all my faith and expectation and so forth. And I said, well, and she said, well, uh, I haven't seen the manifestation of my healing yet, but she said, but I'm still believing. And she had this wonderful sense of faith that I've got nothing to lose in this. I'm not going to blame. I'm not going to get angry. I've got nothing to lose. It's, it's good. I'm just going to keep in faith. Went back to that church the next year. Prayed for that same lady, filled with faith and compassion, believing for her to be healed. How, you, how is it? I said to her, and she said, well, no manifestation of the healing yet, but one day closer to my healing, I'm believing for God to heal me. And she would not quit. She wouldn't give up. And I went back to that church a third time for the, you know, for the third year in a row, prayed for her. Same thing happened. No manifestation of the healing. Anyway, uh, a number of months later, I received a letter through the post, and I've still got that letter in my office to this day. I keep it there from that lady, a handwritten letter. She said, the last time you were there, you prayed. Nothing happened in the moment. But then over the course of the next lot of weeks and months, just little things began to change. And she said, and I began to be able to see ever so slightly, and then a little more, and then a little more. And then a little more, and then a little more. So she said, so, so I'm able to see so much that I'm able to handwrite this letter to you today. She would not give up. And my encouragement to you today is don't give up. Even in your questioning, which are legitimate, even in your valley of decision, which is legitimate, but do not quit. Do not give up on God. Keep a, travel light. Keep a lightness in your faith. I have personally found that very helpful. Okay, here's number three. Can I go on for another five or ten minutes? Can you give me permission to do that? If you nod your head, I'll know that I'm doing okay. Okay. Um, thank you. That's great. I like you. All right, here's number three. Uh, I want to encourage you, again, from, the, from this passage, we, that we are encouraged to lean into the resource of heaven. I'll give you two more, and then we'll, we'll, we'll be done. Lean into the resource of heaven. Look at that. Acts 3, 6. Peter said, silver and gold, I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. Now, I, I just wonder sometimes whether in the Western church, we're very good at talking about what we don't have. We don't have this. And then we often use the language, I say we, but it is true, I think, often can say, the, you know, use the language of, if only uh, we had millions more pounds in the bank. If only we had this, if only we had that, if only we had the other thing. And actually, Peter teaches us a massive lesson here, which is that we actually have everything we need. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, because that's the context. Day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 3, then we have this particular incident. And whatever Peter lacked in terms of material possessions, he more than made up for in terms of heavenly resource. There's never a lack in heaven. 
That is why Jesus taught us to pray that famous prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Hey, if you're going to pray a good prayer, you might as well base it on the ultimate prayer, our Father who is in heaven. So we lift up our eyes. We see that that's where God dwells. And then the first request, your kingdom come. Your will be done here on the earth as it is in heaven. That is the prayer that every Christian ought to be involved in praying. I want you to manifest. So there's there's sort of a, a thing going on where in one sense we're waiting for the full manifestation of God's kingdom, which will happen. And I say, looking at the state of the world at the moment, bring it on. Anybody else agree with that? But until we see the full manifestation of his kingdom, the the truth is that all of us, I, I I do believe this, can see manifestations of his kingdom in our everyday lives. And of course, the miraculous has surely got to be a big part of that because the miraculous was such a huge part of the ministry of Jesus. Take a look at the ministry of Jesus. Quarter of the gospels focus on his miracles. What were the miracles about? They were, of course, to do with compassion and healing people and so on. But they were statements of bringing heaven to earth. It was Jesus demonstrating for us the kingdom. And this is, I think, what happened here with Peter. He leaned into the resource of heaven. And that is what the challenge for every one of us is. We've got to lean into heaven's resource. Again, if I tell you a little story... Uh, just to try to keep it real. And I, I'm trying not to tell spectacular stories. I'm just telling you honest stories, okay? I'm not preaching. I'm talking now, okay? Um, um, I've always had this conviction. I've always practiced the principle of tithing. Personal conviction. Then, in my early ministry, ran into some financial problems, not spending foolishly, nothing like that. I just ran into some problems. And... Uh, and so I, I wasn't very happy at God because I was struggling from day to day tithing. Um, so I said to, to God something along the lines of, well, would you mind if I didn't do that anymore? And it was like the Holy Spirit said, well, what do you think? And I did not like that answer because I kind of sensed that that was God's way of saying, no, <laughs> you've got to keep doing it. So I kept tithing, and, but I was still in this sort of a financial tough situation. No money to get food and so on and, you know, pay bills and all that. Anyway, I went off to a church leaders meeting uh, one Thursday morning. I'll never forget it. It was a dry, it was a, sorry, a cold, miserable uh, Thursday morning in uh, November. And I went to this um, minister's meeting, sat there. There wasn't a lot of inspiration going on in there. That's, you know, it was, it was quite boring. Uh, even the mice were throwing themselves into traps and so on. You know, it was really <laughs> pretty miserable stuff. And, um, and I was not in good shape. I was very unhappy with God, questions and all that. At the halftime coffee break, um, another church leader who I didn't really know very well, I think I talked to him once before, he came over to me and he said, uh, hello Roy, how are you? And of course, I give him that typical Christian response that you give, you know, portraying the joy of Jesus. You know, I'm fine, praise God, I'm happy, I'm fantastic, loving life, loving ministry, it's fantastic. (laughs) And he said to me, um, he said, no, 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 how are you? I said, rubbish. He said, rubbish. It's just rubbish. I'm really not happy with God. I don't have money. And And he said, yeah, he said, it's really interesting. He said, "Uh, my wife and I were praying for you uh, just to... 
yesterday, and uh, he said, and the Holy Spirit kind of put you on our hearts. So he said, and so I, I just felt in my heart that I should give you a little gift. My wife and I wanted to give you a little gift. And so they put an envelope into my hand, and they said, and God wants you to know you're going to be okay. <laughs> so I took the envelope, and I was, intri- you know, I was intrigued to open it. But if you've ever received a little something like that in a church meeting, you cannot open it there and then <laughs> because there's no dignity in that, is there? So I went straight to the toilet, and I... Um, <laughs> And I got into the cubicle, opened this thing up as soon as I could, checked for 1,000 pounds, which I had never had anything like before. And it was like God said, you're going to be okay. And I think that, you see, that is uh, the challenge. If you'll just keep doing what's right and you keep doing what you can, then the point is that God will do what you can't. And that's the lesson here in this passage. Peter uh, uh, said, silver and gold we don't have, but what we do have, we give you. This is important. Final observation, and then we're going to get down to business. We'll, We'll pray for people. And I want you to notice this. This is highly, highly significant. I'd like you to notice the authority of the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 3, verse 6. Look at this. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. By the way, I mean, if I had more time, I could talk more about that statement. That's the practicality of the miraculous, taking him by the right hand. His prayer was not, in Jesus' name, Lord, you do it. You do it. You raise him up. No, 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 no. He took him by the right hand. I think I've got the wrong verse, actually, there, haven't I? Yes. Uh, It's actually verse 5, silver and gold. So that is interesting. So in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Let's go to the next verse just out of curiosity. Let's go to the next one. They came by the right hand. He helped them up. So there's the practicality. If I, I wish I had more time to talk about that. There is a sense of um, doing what you can in all of this, not just putting all the onus on God to do everything. There are, there, are, there are things that we can do. Now, let's go back to the previous verse. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. I think that that statement is one of the most misunderstood statements in the Christian church. The danger is that people have turned it into a sort of technique for getting people healed. If you'll just say the name of Jesus certain ways, you know, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You kind of say it like, you just get the right tone and the right, you know, uh, emphasis. Then the person's going to get the anointing and they're going to get healed, which of course is utter nonsense. Um, The point is that you'll only ever grasp the authority of Jesus' name when we truly know what it is to be submitted to who Jesus is. Now, this is not a popular message, certainly hey, certainly in the context of postmodern living, which we are well and truly into. Um, but the idea of submission is key. We will never truly know what it is to be free until we truly know what it is to be submitted. In submission, there is freedom. When we know what it is to submit to his authority, we will then know. So the, so the more, and, and what does submission look like? It's taking responsibility. It's putting everything on the line. It's letting God be the one who, who gets to choose the route that we take and so on. And the more submitted we are, the more uh, we will experience his freedom in our lives. To speak the name of Jesus in this context was, as it were, sort of an ambassadorial term. Uh, it was what 
a member of, of a royal family would have said, I come to you in the name of the king. So it's that kind of tone that's going on. I'm speaking to you in the name of the king. His name is Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, which kind of says it all. His humility shines forth in all of this. It represents carrying authority, and it represents the idea of speaking on God's behalf. As Christians, we do well to remember that we have access to God-given authority. We carry His grace, we carry His favor, because that's what grace is. It's undeserved favor. And when the enemy attacks us, and I want to finish with this thought, when the enemy attacks us, we must remember that we, we have authority over every work of the enemy. When we have the authority of the name of Jesus. I don't know about you, sometimes I feel like I'm having a boxing match with the devil. Who's ever found yourself in a situation like that? You find yourself in a... In a in, and you're doing the right stuff. And you're living the right way. And you just feel like you're taking a good old beating. And it's like you're in this boxing ring and, and you know... And there's a referee in the middle of the ring, and he's watching this boxing match going on, and then the devil hits you with a right hook and knocks you down, and you're lying there. And then the referee begins to count one, two, three, four, five, and you're lying there, and you're thinking, oh, there's no way I can get up. This is, this is bad. The devil's got me. Six, seven, eight, nine. 10, and you think, no, I'm done. This is the, the devil has beaten me. And then suddenly you hear the referee, 11, 12. The referee is Jesus, 13, 14, 15. Get up, 16, <laughs> 17, 18. That, folks, is called the favor of God. Silly example, but it's a good one in one way. <laughs> You see, you've got the favor of God in your life. And any time the enemy tries to attack you, God will give you extra time if, if necessary. It's called grace. He doesn't dish out his grace in equal quotas and says, now here's your little quota, and here's your little quota, and if you exhaust it, you're in trouble. No, 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 you mess it up, you mess it up. That was one of the testimonies tonight. And God pours his grace in. Endless supplies of grace, forgiveness, healing, the devil tries to condemn you. The devil tries to make you feel rubbish and worthless and useless. Tries to bring you into a place of defeat in your life. Tries to convince you that your life is not worth anything. That God could never do anything with your life. But I, I'm reminding us tonight, we have the authority of the name of Jesus. And this is not, I don't think this is so much about running around looking for demons, right? Where can I cast another demon out? I'm, I'm, I think that the danger of that kind of Christian living is that it turns a very serious thing into an almost frivolous um, game. This is not a game we're playing. And, and the point is that we've got to personally understand the authority of the name of Jesus in our own lives when the enemy seeks to attack us. I'm going to bring this to an end. You've listened very patiently and you've listened for a long time. Are you, are you okay? Are you still alive? There's, there is still a congregation out there, isn't there? Yeah? Uh, I want to just encourage you tonight to, to, really, to really press into this. Have to think about this passage for yourself when you go home tonight. But here tonight, we've got everything we need. Everything we need is in this place tonight. We have the opportunity to pray about those things that you're believing God for. 
in terms of the future, miracles, breakthroughs. We have the authority of, na of the name of Jesus. We've got the resource of heaven that we can lean into. And tonight, here's the opportunity for us to really get everything that God has for us. I'm going to do a couple of things. I'm going to give some folks the opportunity to pray and to, to meet Jesus. Let's close our eyes, shall we? You've listened amazingly well. And I don't...